Percussion. So where's your home, Liam Jones? Okay, hi everyone. This is my review of the Cardinal Hawthorne game. Um, so at the last quarter, a Paramakai did a big mark and a big and a big long goal from like 46 meters out, and like. Sam Walsh kicked the goal, and Zach Williams from like 40 metres out as well. A very good goal, and like the best. So like, good job. And like, so yeah, so like, and I was on holiday, so I didn't watch the whole game. So like, hope you're listening, and bye everyone. Uh, welcome, Teague League listeners. Uh, it's Jason here for another week of the Teague League podcast, a 10-minute Carlton podcast. Uh, thank you very much, Eli, to your review of the game. And coming up a little later will be uh, my very good friend and one of the original Teague League uh, listeners, uh, Teague League group along with Mel from last week who will um, talk a little bit more about the game uh, and his thoughts on Carlton. Uh, he also composed the little tune uh, at the start of the podcast which he sent to me um, last year and every time I hear the original uh, my girlfriend and I will sing that version because it's markedly better. So uh, anyway, uh, on with the episode. Um, now we've got all of the uh, you know, formalities out of the way. Um, I'm recording tonight, not from the Hilux Studios, but from the spare bedroom studios. Um, today was a bit crazy uh, at work, and so I wasn't able to get to it till this evening. And uh, I'm kind of glad I did, because there's a couple of things that have come out this evening um, that I didn't have information this morning, but we'll get to that in a moment. A couple of things I want to touch on from the game on the weekend. Uh, was Matthew Owies and his, um, you know, uh, the way he's shaped into a really solid up-and-coming footballer. I was unsure for a little while when he, you know, was sitting in the development stages, but the percolation and the, has really worked wonders for him, um, and it's great to see him sitting in that um, that tier of players. Like I mentioned, the third tier of players a couple of weeks ago, and that third tier players and maybe one episode I'll go through how I see the, the list of players you know in that tier um, but Cottrell is another one that's in it as well and their drive and their pressure and their second efforts um, from from them and and it's growing in leaps and bounds and it's pushing the quality up um, you know we saw a bunch of sloppy kicking in the game and could have been our downfall, but listening to T talk about his the biggest bake he's given the players, um, it's good to hear sometimes that just you just need to tell people where it's at, and um, seems like he did that. But also listening to the post match press release, post match press conference, it was pretty brutal, and he was pretty fired up. Uh, maybe not in demeanour, but in content, and I think um, he's getting to the point where. He seems as though he's getting frustrated with the inability for it to click and he's waiting for it to click and things to, 
hit the ground running and whether that's another six weeks or another six months. But he, it's as though he's put in all the stuff he can do and it's the players that just need to get the last little clicks to make the Rubik's Cube up. One parallel thing from the game is, unfortunately, it was a Channel 7 game. Um, we, I think overall the quality of commentators are better on Fox um, or even on radio. I sometimes would rather listen to the radio than um, Channel 7. But there's this weird dynamic with Eddie Maguire where deep down he loves Carlton. I think it's that he loves to hate because they're so... Um, Obviously, it's the uh, it's the rivalry, but there is actually something there that you couldn't really have one strength. You need the other one as well. So it's always funny to hear him talking about Carlton and singing Lily of Laguna. And just some phrasing that he actually has a soft spot for Carlton, but I don't think he would ever say that. Um, another fact I know I brought up about Jack Silvani again. Um, I'm really on the Jack Silvani team. Um, the, the stats I mentioned last week, I should have also mentioned that we are three just zip in games that he has finished in. Um, a couple obviously has been injured, but we were, I think it was something like 20 odd points up against the dogs when he got injured and went off the ground with that concussion. So while he didn't have a huge amount of possessions on the weekend, another game where he finished and we won. So we're already halfway through the episode and I was planning to keep it short and sweet. So I'm going to have to barrel through the next little bit here. Um, I don't want to turn it into an hour-long podcast just because I uh, want to talk a lot. But here's some of the top Carlton-related news of of the week. Uh, first one and the most talked about one, um, Lockie Plowman. There's a lot... That, oh, that's the halftime siren. Um, there's a lot that's been said about it, but I um, I think he copped the rough end of the stick, personally, again what decision's been made, and there goes his chances of winning the round low. But while I'm extremely pro-protecting the head, I think basing the judgment purely on the end result is not a great approach. Thinking of how many hits have been prevented by a player that might just turn at the right time, or the right size, you know, the size comparison, whereas if think of Lysette, Scott Lysette from Port Adelaide a couple of weeks ago, if the player that he tackled was the next size up, like it was a high, bigger midfield, experienced midfield, or even another Ruckman, that would not have happened the same way, or vice versa if Lysette was a smaller player. So I think that's a really um, not a great approach, but uh, I don't think the MRO is going to be listening to this Carlton podcast. Uh, another really big bit of news that went relatively under the, the radar was um, Taylor Harris and the... Um, breaking down of contract negotiations with her and Carlton, which looks as though that she won't be playing with Carlton next year. Um, on one hand, it's frustrating. I've really enjoyed Taylor as a player, and I think that she brings a lot of conversation and, um, you know, star power to the game, and, and a game that, um, was, while it's a team game, people come to watch players like her. Um I actually have a lot more feelings and thoughts on this, but uh, I'm going to have a chat with a friend of mine who's um, AFLW statistician and a real quite knowledgeable on the broader um, conversations around AFLW. So um, I might even have a special midweek uh, episode of Teague League and I'll chat to my friend about that and we'll break that down a bit more. Um, the other big bit of news is this week coming up is Sir Doug Nichols' round, Indigenous round. Um, and I'm really torn on this round. 
I'm not torn whether it should exist because I think it's a fantastic thing. Um, the I love the indigenous roots of the game. I love the stories. I love the culture and the growth of the um, of the position that that has in the game overall. And while it's not perfect, comparing it to you know twenty years ago, ten years ago even. Um, it's great that kids know where their stars come from, the indigenous stars come from. It's great that the average player knows, sort of, you know, the the links between family and um, and it's celebrated. But two things always hurt me when it comes to indigenous round. One of them is um, around Doug Nichols himself. Um, he's a Yorta Yorta man, he's a pastor, he's a Sir, he was the first Indigenous man to be knighted. He was a governor of South Australia. Um, he died on the day that I turned three, which is June 4th, hence why um, Indigenous Round is held around this time of year. But Doug Nichols was treated incredibly poorly at Carlton, um, and in terms of being told he wasn't able to be massaged on the same table, um, amongst other racist conversations and and things thrown at him. So he, he left and went to Fitzroy. Um, Hayden Bunton Sr. saw that he was sitting alone and not really being included. Um, he, Hayden Bunton is a legend of the game and made sure he was welcomed and part of the team as anyone else and has really um, made Doug Nichols the star footballer, not just the star, because he was a boxer. He's so many other things. Um but Hayden Bunton has a great role to play in his story. Um, in 2016, there was a ceremony to acknowledge and heal from um, that with the family of uh, Sir Doug Nichols and, and his um, the broader Indigenous community. But that's, that is a part of our history that always leaves a bit of sand in the shoe for me. Um, the other part is our club song. You know, the ba-ba-da-ba-da is iconic and... You love getting around it, but it, and it came up only a, a month or two ago. Um, a couple of years ago, I was researching for a podcast that never quite made it, and there was a realised a line in our club song. The first line drops the N word in it. The original song that our lyrics were taken from, and now while yeah, there's enough time, enough space, and culture has moved on, and this is the now the dominant version in our culture. Um, the song has this odd resonation with me where I I love what it signifies in our... Oh, that's the uh, 10 minute, I better keep rolling. Um, signifies in our history, in our culture, but to come from the reason and the story and, and why the music and why the piece was written um, doesn't quite sit smoothly within me, but that is a bigger, deeper conversation for another time, and I think I might even go into a bit of detail with that um, with somebody in a, in a future episode. Which brings us to today, today, Friday, the 28th of May. Uh, the team has flown up to Sydney during the week um, to, to train. It was a last-minute call, and... Uh, Glad that they can actually play this game. Um, looking forward to seeing our backline against Buddy. Hopefully, uh, we don't give up the ten goals that Liam Jones gave Buddy a few years back to give him his uh, his Coleman. Um, but not only was Plowman left behind. Uh, obviously, he could, we mentioned before he got suspended, but he had an injury as well, um, which meant that he wouldn't have played this week anyway. So it's uh, you know the best of a worst situation. Um, 
But Mark Murphy was dropped as well. I mentioned at the start that, you know, something that's come today. So he's been admitted. Um, and we saw last week that Levi Casbolt was admitted as well. Um, it's great to see Martin back in. Um, and looking forward to seeing how they match up against Sydney, who have some absolute star young players. And they're full credit to their um, development team. Uh, quickly... Um, bash through the VFL and VFLW results. Um, both leagues have been postponed this week, so um, let's make it a bit quicker there, but we won't have as much to talk about in that next week. But in the VFLW, um, we're sitting five and seven, um, currently eighth on the ladder, and we're one game out of the top six. Uh, we had a fantastic win against Geelong, 4-7-31-2-3-4-22 uh, at Icon Park. Um, some of our uh, AFLW listed players, uh, McAvoy, McKay and Grace Egan had big games. Um, McKay getting 27 posies, uh, the daughter of Abby, sorry, Abby, the daughter uh, of Andrew. Um, and I think there's another son coming through the, uh, the junior ranks with it for next draft, I think, as well. So keep your eyes out for him. Uh, in the VFL, we're sitting on two and three, two wins, three losses, and in 11th position, um, we went down quite heavily to the Hawks in the opposite of what happened in the men's, uh, in the AFL seniors, 6-10-46 to 19-16-130. Um, <laughs> you look at the first bounce, uh, Aaron Gondry was his second game and uh, very much undersized and, and that that uh, lumbering draft feel of, of a new Ruckman. So uh, that'll come with experience and you'll learn the tricks of the trade and have a few more hot dinners and a few more gym sessions and you'll build up. You know, our, our first quarter um, was pretty solid. Honey kicked two in the first quarter, but watching the, the replays back, they struggled in defence and trying to get it out of our defence. We were combination of poor decision-making and tight pressure um, sort of go down by the 14 goals. Uh, in the VFL, it's really unsurprising that Demons and the Bulldogs uh, are both 5-0. and nil. Uh, And so we look forward to seeing tonight what uh, what the result of the game meant uh, um, in, the, in the AFL, the Dogs and Demons. I think the Demons might get up by uh, three or four goals. Uh, you know, they came off a really rough loss last week to Adelaide, so we'll see how that goes. Um, in general VFL news, the Demons and the Bulldogs, as I mentioned, are 5-0, and Southport um, is surprising on 5-1. and one. Um, Southport, for those who don't know, are a team out of... Um, team out of uh, Queensland, and they were one of the four Queensland teams that joined um, Southport Sharks, joined in the VFL. Uh, and part of the reason that Brisbane and Gold Coast joined the VFL along with Sydney and, and um, GWS is because the NEFL, was, which covered those two states, was not as strong a competition as Sandful or Waffle or, or the VFL at the time. So to give their VFL, their second tier players, a good run, they joined in. Um, and so to see the Southport is actually doing incredibly strong in the league so far is a really great sign. So uh, I'm already at 15 minutes. So uh, before I've even got to uh, Reese's Pete or Eli's tips, um, I was going to add a new segment in today, but I'll leave that for next week when we don't have much VFL to talk about. Uh, yeah, as I said, coming up, this is my friend Reese. Uh, I've known Reese since we uh, went to uni together and uh, being a Carlton supporter, a lot of conversations and voice messages back and forth. Actually, I've got a voice message sitting here from him ready to reply to. So, uh, 
This is Reese, followed by uh, Eli uh, and his tips. You know, he didn't tip St Kilda going down by 111 points last week. But as I said, he has been doing incredibly well with his tips. Um, he is currently sitting on uh, 60 tips, which is four ahead of me. So uh, again, he's doing all right, old young Eli. So uh, folks, have a great week. Um, let's see if we can get the job done over Sydney. Stay safe at, at home, particularly friends in Melbourne and, and those listening, and uh, go the baggers. Hello, Teague League listeners. It's great to be talking to you after a win. I really like this game. People are ragging on it, saying, you know, let's never watch that again or whatever it may be. There were enough little moments in there that I was like, yes, that's what we want. Firstly, you know, Cripps just not taking on 17 tacklers and getting pinned holding the ball, just quickly dishing it out. That running shepherd he did was – that's the fastest I've ever seen him move. That was really great. Loving the chase uh, of Owies. And his marking's been good. Doc's mark. Doc on the wing in the midfield has been really good. Zach Williams playing uh, more of a confident game, I guess. Oh, my! I'm sure all of our hearts just sank when Weedering landed on his, you know, landed after a mark or a spoil and just grabbed his knee and you could see him hobbling. But he powered through. I just thought it was really, it was a good game. And I, you know, not to kick a man while he's down, but dropping of Levi Casbolt was, was really good for me because so many times Teague was saying, You've got to earn your spot. Well, he hasn't really earned his spot this year, has he? It's been that TDK wasn't ready. Charlie's injured. <laughs> Mitch McGovern's injured. Who else takes that place? But he's been a liability. And, and no more damning than when the opposition coaches don't even put someone on you, really. In the forward line, they would rather double to triple team Harry than put someone on Levi Caswell. He's not a threat, even if he gets the ball 28 out, 20 out from goal. It's not a threat. But... I love the, just the younger players playing with heart. Stocker was really good, I thought. Cotters, I love the way that guy just runs and doesn't give up and seems to reset quickly. Uh, yeah, so I hope we can uh, do well against Sydney. Following Carlton is such a roller coaster, though. Hey, you know, shout out to any Blues fans. I feel really sorry for anyone under the age of 23 who's, you know, diehard Carlton, but. Yeah. Oh, one more thing. I thought Eddie Betts. Eddie Betts creates so much space and never gives up and leads. I would love to see him do one more year. I really think we could benefit from having – he's having a great season, although is this another Daisy Thomas situation where, where we go, hey, you're playing really well. See you later. I think the movement he creates in the forward line really, really helps our forwards. Uh, so, yeah, again, great to be talking to you after a win. Hopefully we can do the same against Sydney. Um Good luck, Teague League listeners. Hi, everyone. Um, here are my tips for this week. I'm going to tip Melbourne. Over. Over the Doggies, first and second. 16th and third, Geelong Cats and Collingwood. Geelong. Brisbane against Giants. I'll tip Brisbane, fourth and eighth. 14th and 18th, North and Saints. Kilda, St Kilda, thanks. Gold Coast Suns, that's the Hawthorne Hawks, 17th and 15th. I'll go with the Gold Coast. And the West Coast Eagles versus Essendon did 77th and 11th. And I'm tipping the West Coast Eagles, which would against 13th, 13th. 
and the letter 13 and reached me the night. 12th Carlton. Who are you going for in Richmond and Adelaide? Richmond. The Sydney versus the Carlton. Um. What one should I tip? The Dockers are. Carlton. Mm-hmm. I tip Carlton. Um. How are the Dockers over Carlton? The Dockers are over Carlton, which is outrageous. So, and the Dockers are playing Port, and I'm going to tip Port because, because, you know, because I'm going to tip Port, and the um, and against the Dockers, the Dockers are tenth, and Port is fifth. So these are my tips for this week. Bye, everyone.